Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Michelle Beck. This is Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm a two-time, 10-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, which is not very often, you can find me on social media at I Never Liked Pink. So my guest today, I'm super excited about it. She is a fellow podcast host of Rock Your Midlife. I was on there a few weeks ago, and it was just so much fun. She is an author of the Rock Your Midlife book, which I am about halfway through. And if it wasn't the holiday season, I would have already finished it. And she's just an amazing human. So I was like, you need to come talk to my listeners as well. But let's let's do the big bio here. So Dr. Ellen is a psychologist, registered dietitian, national board certified health and wellness coach, a fellow podcast host, a mindful self-compassion teacher, which gosh knows we all need a lot of that. She is known as the midlife whisperer, and that's where you can find her all over social media. She helps women have the energy, confidence, and clarity to make their next chapter of life the best chapter, which is funny because when I was like 30, I was like, oh my gosh, 50 just sounds ancient. And now I'm like, this is, I finally feel comfortable in myself. And that's what she's really helping women do. She's a best selling author, an inspirational speaker, and an expert on women's well being. She's appeared on news media all over the world, quoted in Psychology Today, eating well. Literally, I could go on and on, but I would rather just sit here and talk to her. Um, but one thing we are going to dig into is the book that I just showed, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. And she has been working at some form in this industry for over 30 years. So we are just so thrilled to have her here today. So Dr. Ellen, Welcome. Thank you, Michelle. It's such an honor to be here. I know you actually reached out to me when the book first came out and I was like digging through old emails. And then I got hit with breast cancer in April, which was like cancer was not on my vision board. So I had you on my show. And I think it's the first time I'm a guest on Voice America because I've got my show, of course, Rock Your Midlife is on Voice America too. So it's awesome to connect and like dig in and see how we can help all our listeners today. It is because I think the more you know, whether we're, we both have podcasts, but we're not competing with literally we have different information, but it's also the more information that gets out there, no matter how it gets out there, I think is the best thing because everyone is going through their own life path and someone will find amazing things from yours and amazing things from over here about different forms of breast cancer, but we will get there. And I do find it so funny because you say I reached out a year ago. I do not remember that because that is cancer brain personified. (laughs) Uh, The lack of estrogen literally kills me sometimes, Um, but I'm still here and I'm grateful for it. And I am working on rocking my own midlife. So before we get into your cancer, tell us professionally what you're doing right now. Sure. Well, right now, actually, I'm working on a TED Talk, which I'm super excited <gasps> about. That's m- and- my my lifetime goal. Well, not lifetime. For the past 10 years, I want to do a TED Talk. 
Yeah. So that's my newest thing. I mean, the book's definitely still out there and I'm doing a lot of talking about the book, my own podcast. I'm actually starting um, a midlife reboot program in 2023. It's just going to be a fun three-week experience. But the the TED Talk I'm super jazzed about because I'm going to be talking about something that I think all of us who are in this breast cancer world and all women in general is body image. So my research for my PhD, which got published, was on body dissatisfaction and self-compassion in women. And that's how I found self-compassion and it totally transformed my body image. And I'm really, you know, um, focusing going forward, wanting to help all women and particularly breast cancer survivors, because often we face that issue. And I'm kind of facing it myself right now because I have just, you know, say my breast cancer story. I was diagnosed in April. Thank God it was stage 1A. So super early, had the lumpectomy, had 19 treatments of radiation, um, chose to have just Herceptin and not chemo. But I found out I have a BRCA mutation. So that still puts me at a 50% risk. So I'm kind of thinking, God, do I go fearlessly flat? So it's kind of- I have a wonderful book to recommend to you. It's called Flat and Happy. And the author is Katrin Van Dam, and she she really goes through all kinds of options. But her journey, and she is she's flat and fabulous. And I'm sure you've seen on my social media. I just um, last week my guest was Christine Handy. She's an international print and runway model who literally put herself out at New York Fashion Week um, last year and is like, I'm concave and still five designers put her on their runways, which I love. She's working on changing the standards of beauty. And the, the something called the aesthetic flat closure is really changing the game for so many women who still want to feel beautiful and be flat. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, but I think the body image thing in general, and so my research, what my research showed, and this is, you know, a lot of what my Ted talk is about is first of all, we're surrounded by mirrors, right? Here we are doing the show on zoom and we're looking at ourselves. So we're looking at ourselves all the time. And so there is this desire to scrutinize and what is wrong. And of course, as we're aging, we're dealing with that. So it's, it's kind of a, so many um, faceted sort of just like constantly needing to reevaluate our images, whether it's in the mirror, whether it's on social media, whether it's in Zoom meetings. And so how do we re-mirror ourselves, right? How do we, and my, my research really showed that practicing self-compassion, treating yourself the way you would a good friend, not only is going to help you sort through anything you're facing, including breast cancer, but it actually transforms body image. So my research showed that just an hour a week for three weeks, reduced body shame, body dissatisfaction, self-worth based on appearance, and improved body appreciation. So yeah, I'm excited about the TED Talk and helping women to say too that, you know what, the most important thing about you is not your looks. Like we're socialized to believe like our looks are the be all end all. And of course, you know, as we're aging, getting away from the youthful, thin ideal, we can be like, oh my God, am I okay? So it's a combination of lean into our strengths, other things that are awesome about us besides our looks and let's practice self-compassion so that we can love and accept all of ourselves. And let's, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at the big six O and I'm like, I like the way I look. I really do. I've never, it's a combination of liking what and who I see in the mirror. Well, I love that because since I've been reading your book, I've, I've learned all your deepest, darkest secrets. And in your prior career life, you were a heavy duty fitness addict. And it was the, and I don't know if that's the right words, but, you know, every time we were like, I'm just not feeling good, you just go work out again. And we're very into the, I would say, body image and how you you felt based on how you looked. And so you kept working out and working out for this ideal that you're never going to establish because your beauty comes from within. So I love that you're focusing on that now. 
Thanks. Yeah, I I referred to myself as being like an alcoholic working in a liquor store. You know, I was working out <laughs> four to six hours a day, and you know, and it, it was also before we were talking about menopause. So you know, going through yes. menopause, young kids. I was working on my PhD, and this sort of perfectionism. And one of the many lessons my tumor taught me is to really um, deep six my workaholic. I've been a workaholic my whole life, and when I got breast cancer, I was like, wow. Something needs to change because we all know the relationship between stress and exhaustion and the need to to really take better care of ourselves. I thought I was doing everything right, but um, that really taught me to let a lot of those kind of that that stuff go, the perfectionism, which of course I let a lot of that go as I learned self-compassion and change, but had additional lessons to learn when I got breast cancer. Well, and you say cancer was not on your vision board. You're a you say you're the healthiest person you know, registered dietitian fitness in the the proper moderation now at this point in your life, yet you still are diagnosed with breast cancer. How did, how did that, how did you find it for one thing? Was it a regular mammogram or self? And what was your course? Well, you already talked about your course of treatment. Sorry about that. What were your emotions like after you had that diagnosis? You're like, crap, I'm doing everything (laughs) I can to not get cancer. And yet I still did. Yeah. Well, I had a negative mammogram in October and then my cancer was found with a uh, breast density scan and ultrasound. So if your doctor has said to you, you, know, you got that little note that says you've got dense breasts, get the breast scan, get the breast scan, get the breast scan, because I kind of ignored it because we we're going through COVID. I have no family history of cancer. Like I said, it was not on my vision board. I just, I never, ever thought that was something I would have to deal with. You know, I'm mostly whole foods, uh, plant-based, move my body, do all the things right. So when I was diagnosed, it was a complete shock, as I'm sure it is for everybody, right? Um, I mean, it was like, you know, I, I remember the radiologist saying to me, um, you have a stage five mass. And I'm like, oh, that missed me. You know, I heard her say that. I said, what does that mean? And I know she said, because I actually had her recording it, that you've got a 95% chance that it is cancer. And I'm hearing, oh, 5% chance. And she's like, no, it's the <laughs> other way. Um, and so I was in shock. You know, fortunately, everything flowed beautifully. I was able to, somebody actually chickened out of their biopsy. And I think people actually do that. They get the the positive and then they're like, no, I don't want to deal with this. So somebody chickened out of their biopsy. And so I had a biopsy the next day. I was able to get a lumpectomy with a wonderful surgeon who really helped me um, talk it through and what to do. And I'm glad I didn't do anything radical. I, I like my breasts. I have to say they're mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so I didn't do anything radical. So, I'm, but I think I was in shock. And then there was also, honestly, there was a lot of shame because here I am, like Miss Uber Healthy. I'm the midlife whisperer. I help women be healthy, stay healthy, avoid cancer, heart disease, osteoporosis, all the stuff. Say, you know, mentally healthy, all of those things. I'm a board certified health and wellness coach. I'm, you know, been doing this for 30 years. So there was a there was a lot of shame. Um. And it dredged up a lot of stuff because I had to really deal with why did this happen? But then, of course, I also found out that I have a BRCA mutation. So I'm an Ashkenazi Jew. And so I think it's one out of 40 Ashkenazi Jews have the BRCA2 mutation, which puts you at a 50% statistical chance of having breast cancer, whereas it's you know one out of eight, um, like 13% chance for the general population. And then I also have a higher risk of things like ovarian cancer. Um, so I'm going to get my ovaries out and my, you know, my tube, all of that stuff done too. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. So you always are looking for the silver linings and going, okay, well, you know, breast cancer is easy to detect. Early treatment is really the best thing. 
Um, and so maybe, you know, I dodged a, a bullet in terms of something like ovarian cancer. So, but it was a shock. It was definitely a shock. And I had to um, really take some time off and rethink my life, which I'm still doing now, because I think one of the, the big silver linings is you realize when you get a cancer diagnosis, just how short life is. Yes. I was talking about this with someone the other day, a fellow survivor, just how cancer makes us more appreciative. And, and you know, not everyone has wonderful outcomes. There are many women who are living metastatic and, but which all the support stage four needs more, more metastatic research, fully a big believer in all that. But I do feel very lucky because I have gone through it. I've had two primary diagnoses, one in each breast, and I feel very lucky. And literally cancer has changed my life for the better. And so for me, I have gone through and looked back at it and people are like, wow, don't you wish you didn't have cancer? I'm like, of course, I wish I didn't go through this, but it has really allowed me to find a whole new part of my life and it, it to find my voice and something I'm so passionate about to help others who've gone through this get through their own journey and beyond because I wouldn't have been able to do it to get through this part of my life without the organization Breast Friends that I found to volunteer. And five years later, here I still am. But I appreciate life so much more. And I've learned to set boundaries because I'm an Enneagram too. I'm a helper. I want to do everything for everyone and get praise because of it. But I've actually had to learn to put myself first, which is really hard. But I feel like that's for me something so positive that's come out of it. Yeah, that is wonderful. I think as women, right, we are socialized to put everybody else first. And I think what I find in my work as a coach, that there's this immunity to change because what happens is we actually have a built-in immune system when we start thinking about, you know, I want to make that jazzercise class. I want to find time to prep the meals. I want to let the laundry go and get to bed by 11 o'clock. When we start doing those things for ourselves, we start to feel guilty. Yes. And so when I work with people, we have to kind of work with this guilt. And also there's a sense too that, gosh, if I'm not there, you know, 24 seven for my kids, my grandkids, my work, my spouse, all the stuff, then I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to be appreciated. People are going to be mad at me. And we have to sort of work on questioning these assumptions that we have because self-care, you know, whether you're, wherever you're at in the spectrum of, you know, not having cancer, having cancer, whatever it is. You, you know, have to put yourself first. You can't give from an empty cup. And it, particularly because we live in a world that is so filled with stress that we need to do the self-care things. And even self-care can be stressful. It can feel like this thing that you do between getting that proposal written and doing the laundry. But stress, you know, self-care for me, sometimes it can be as simple as like closing my eyes for, you know, two minutes and taking some deep breaths, watching some silly cat videos, picking up my ukulele. You don't have to go and get many petties and throw, throw yourself through a lot of hoops to uh, do the self-care thing. My new favorite thing is to take a bath in the middle of the day. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and just oh, give my myself goodness. a break. But so you had written your book before your cancer diagnosis. And so in your book, you talk about seven transformational steps to support yourself. How did, did you go back and actually look at those steps to say, wow, I've actually created this own pathway for myself to get through this? Yeah, absolutely. I used all my steps and actually the, the one that got amplified was really the empowerment. 
Um, that was the step that I didn't understand as much was step five, which is empowerment. And we can certainly talk about the other ones and how I used it. But I think the most important thing when you are a breast cancer patient or any patient for that matter, or anywhere in your life is advocating for yourself. And, you know, as you said, Michelle, you know, we're trying to be the good girl to please everybody and to stand up to your oncologist and say, I don't want to do the chemo. I am in remission. There's no evidence of cancer. I'll do the Herceptin, which is an autoimmunotherapy. But I just feel like, particularly because I have the BRCA mutation, that doing 12 weeks of chemotherapy is not something that's right for me. And that was really hard. He supported me, which was awesome. But, you know, the whole medical in industry is kind of set up to do whatever the gold standard is to to get rid of the cure, the cancer, but not be as concerned as what it does to your body in the process. So I was always looking through the lens of wellness. So, but I learned to advocate for myself and, and, you know, I love that cancer is a get out of jail free card to say no. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I've used the cancer card quite a few times for things, (laughs) but I completely understand what you're saying in terms of the self-advocacy. I talk about that. It's so important and it's really hard to, I'll say, stand up to your, your physician sometimes because there's something called the good patient syndrome where you you want to be the perfect patient and please your doctor, but then it's really at odds with sometimes what's internally going on for yourself. What is right for you? And for me, I just went through something like this recently since I have been diagnosed twice. Um, first time, very similar to you, lumpectomy, radiation, um, tamoxifen for four years, and then I had a new primary occurrence in my other breast. So went through all that. And then I've been on the aromatase inhibitors for five years after that. They wanted me to do 10 years and it had gotten to the point where it was so debilitating on my body, my joints, the pain that I had, so many things. I could not do this. I couldn't do it anymore and have any quality of life. And so I had found something called the breast cancer index test, which tested my tumor to see how beneficial another five years of AI would be for me. And for me, it would not be beneficial. And I was able to, with confidence, stop my AIs. And I am so happy. And I have that comfort. And my because my doctor didn't recommend this, I went out and found it on my own and said, I need to do this. And I was a crying mess when I went in there and they realized how, how cranky I was. And But I had to advocate for myself, which is something that we all need to learn how to do. Yeah, bravo. Because, you know, we are an N of one. You know, our doctor will sit there and they'll hand you the the scientific research that shows all of the things. But we, when it comes down to it, we have to decide what's right for us. So I have gone to, you know, my self-care routine is like my full, full-time job. I mean, I do everything to stay healthy and detox and I've made some big changes um, all. And I feel fabulous. I feel absolutely amazing, but good for you for doing the research, finding that up and standing up for yourself. I think when each of us does it, that's correct is following your heart, doing your own research. And, and really, it's so empowering. It, it really, it is. And I, I mean, I cannot express how much better I feel. And I was weighing the, okay, I have a young child. I have a lot of life left to live. I should do the meds, but I literally couldn't do anything. I couldn't exercise. I couldn't walk my dogs. Mm. Um, everything was painful. And I've been off them now for gosh, five months. And I feel like a whole, I feel like I'm 30 again. 
not 51. So I will take that. And instead of being 90, I guess is what I felt like previously. Um, So listeners, we have so much more to talk about. We are going to take a quick break. If you would like to help breast friends on their mission to support those. And so they don't go through cancer alone. There's a big donate button on our website, breastfriends.org, or you can text BF radio to 41444. If you or a loved one need our services, please go to our website and check out patient programs to see what we can do for you. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle, and my guest is Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer, host of the Rock Your Midlife podcast, author of the Rock Your Midlife book. And we are talking about how an unexpected cancer diagnosis can just throw your life into chaos. But Dr. Ellen has this amazing book and these seven steps that help her work through them. Before the break, we talked about 
empowerment and an advocacy as one of the steps. Well, Ellen, what are the rest of the steps um, in, in the, I guess, Cliff Notes version? <laughs> yeah, well, the first step is authenticity. And so this step really is all about knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, your weaknesses, what you like, what, who you wanted to be when you were growing up. And I give tons of journaling exercises. And there's actually a companion journaling book that you can get for free when you get the book to download and write these things out. Because I think journaling is such a powerful technique. So the authenticity piece is really important to rocking midlife and rocking your breast cancer diagnosis because you've got to know yourself. If you don't know yourself, what you're doing is it's like you're climbing up this ladder of success, but it's up against the wrong building because you're not creating a life that's working for you. So for me, you know, a good example is one of my top um, core values, and that's a piece of, of authenticity, the first step is knowing your core values, is wellness. So whenever I was making a decision, I always look through this lens of wellness like you, looking and saying, you know what, I'm 80. How am I going to feel about having done that chemotherapy where now I have neuropathy? Given that I don't have, and I'm not saying everyone can make their own decision, given that I don't have, you know, a tumor that was evident, so I was in remission. So that's the first thing is know yourself. If you're going to be the kind of person who's going to stay up all night and worry, is it coming back? Is it coming back? Well, then maybe you should have the, the bullet solution, right? Like if I did the chemo with the Herceptin, it's like uh, 98%, but the Herceptin alone hasn't really been studied and I was willing to live with that. So knowing yourself is so important. Number two, which I think we've touched on is loving yourself. I have to say, the two things that got me through this were self-compassion and also Reiki. I'm also a Reiki master. And I have to say for pain management and, and stress management, Reiki, which means universal life force energy, it's kind of allows you to sort of channel this healing energy for yourself was, was so important. But self-compassion is really about learning to treat yourself like a good friend. And so there were so many instances, which I'm sure you can resonate with that, Michelle, where you're just like, freaking out. You're just like, why is this happening? I don't like this. This sucks. I feel all alone. And with self-compassion, you're first kind to yourself rather than critical. You don't say like, oh my God, you know, this is my fault or it's bad car. You don't beat yourself up. You're like, oh, poor baby, this is really hard, right? You notice when you're struggling and instead of plowing forward or diving under the covers with Ben and Cherries and Netflix, you're just like, I'm, this is sadness. This is fear. This is, there was a lot of grief for me, grief that I would never, my, my fiance and I, you know, we just were so about wellness. Like I would never have that carefree, not worrying about this. Like this is on, is a thing that we have to think about, right? Cause we've experienced it. So this is treating yourself like a good friend. And there are three elements of self-compassion I talk about in Rock Your Midlife. I was fortunate enough to work with Kristen Neff, who's kind of the, the mother, the pioneer in this area. But it's kind, being kind to yourself rather than critical, talking to yourself the way you would a good friend. It's common humanity, understanding that getting sick is normal. You know, like when the Buddha looked over the over the fence, he's like, oh, sick people, poor people, people who are dying. You know, this is normal. Um, and so you don't feel so alone. Like, I love that you have this show because you know, we know that, you know, one in eight women gets a diagnosis, right? And so you know that you're not alone and you don't feel so isolated. You know, there's people you can talk to and you know that it's not your fault, that it's normal. So that's- Well, and I think piece. this is the step that you have to let go, learn to let go of the shame that you said you experienced because you can't, loving yourself does not allow room for shame. Like it is not your fault that you got cancer. It is not my right. fault that I got cancer. And 
it's you just have to let it go because yeah, it, doesn't, it does not serve you. Shame is very toxic. It's shame is I'm bad. And so, yes, absolutely. Let go of shame. And then the last piece is mindfulness. So being mindful when you are stressed and struggling. So if you are going through a treatment and you're exhausted, and this is something I did when I was, you know, I had 19 treatments of, of um, radiation. I took a nap, you know, I took time off from work. I took a, some of it a sabbatical. I asked for help. You know, I just heated up something for dinner. I just, it's like, you've got to be like mindful of what, about how you are feeling and asking yourself, how am I feeling and what do I need right now? So that's the self-compassion piece, which was so important to give myself what I needed when I was going through treatment and even now. And so self-compassion, it changes everything because when you love yourself, you stop doing things that insult your soul and you, you give yourself what you need and you start to attract what is truly in your highest, best interest. The third piece is energize yourself. And this is where I really take all of my years of training as a registered dietitian. I've been a registered dietitian since 1993. So I've worked with literally thousands of midlife women uh, all about, you know, I'm also a, you know, a health and wellness coach and I've been a fitness professional. So what do we need at midlife? life. So this is really about, we need more protein after 50. We need more calcium. We need to make sure we're getting our vitamin D. You know, if we're going through menopause, if we have medically induced menopause, as I think it sounds like you did, mm -hmm. you know, what, what can we do? How, again, get advocacy. How do we talk to our doctors? How do we take care of our bodies so that we have awesome energy? Number four is reprogramming your mind. And so with the, you know, the cancer, just, I had to stay positive, but not toxic positivity. You don't be like, everything's great because everything's You're not. Great. It's wonderful. You, yeah, you know, this. like, oh, you, your cancer treatment is over. You look great. You must be wonderful. I'm like, well, actually that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of this thing where, yeah, I'm, I'm really so blessed. Like I'm blessed that I live Vermont. My, my healthcare UVM took such great care of me. I had great care. I have a wonderful, loving spouse. Um, I'm, you know, I've got health insurance. I've got so many, so many things that are great, but staying positive, but also, you know, doing gratitude, doing all of that stuff, but also again, holding those difficult emotions. So we're not doing toxic positivity. The, you know, polyam, everything is awesome, but, you know, keeping your mindset, not going into that rumination, not going into that, the what ifs and just noticing when that's happening, having a mindfulness practice of like, you know, are you spending time in nature? Are you meditating, doing yoga, getting in touch with my body? Body. I mean, for me, one of the most powerful things for the mindfulness piece is realizing that, my God, I had this dime-sized tumor, but the rest of my body was great. Just because you have cancer doesn't mean that your, your 32 trillion cells aren't working together to keep you alive. The rest of your body is awesome. And there's just these, these cells that have gone rogue and you've got to figure out like what to do about it and why it happened and understand that. So just energizing yourself. And then the fifth piece, fifth step we talked about is empowering yourself, finding power from within, learning to say no. And that's kind of my new year's thing is more joy, less oi, saying yes to yourself and no to other things. That's kind of what I'm going into the new year with. And then the sixth step is rehabbing your relationships. And I think that that's so important all the time. If you're, you know, if you're rocking midlife, what happens is that you start to become that butterfly, but the people in your life still think you're the caterpillar. And you're like, no, I'm a butterfly. You know, I've got these wings and I'm doing all these colorful things. And they're like, no, you're still the caterpillar. And so this is really about um, learning not to be the good girl, which we talked about, that people pleaser. And I think that's so important with cancer that we finally are like, you know what? I got to take care of me now. Like this is do or die time, right? I finally last year when I was 50 learned to set some boundaries in my life. Yay! <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> 
Well, I honestly, you not you probably haven't gotten to that point yet, but I actually have a personal bill of rights. So write oh, I down. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Okay. You write out your personal bill of rights. This is what I stand for. You know, I deserve to be treated a certain way. I de- I'm a, it's okay for me to feel the way that I'm feeling. I deserve to be loved. All of the, these things, putting that up on your wall. And then also what happens if somebody crosses the line? What, are the, what is the, the boundary? So setting some boundaries. And then also learning something called nonviolent communication, which is a very effective method of getting your needs met, where you observe what's going on. You tell someone, you know what, I'm observing that, you know, I asked you if you would make dinner tonight because you know how tired I am after, you know, all of these treatments. And I observed that you didn't do it. It made me feel that you don't care about me and you're not there for me. And um, that makes me feel really lonely. I'm asking that you you can't do it, that we talk about it. And I'm asking that you you support me here. So yeah, it's about getting your needs met. And then the last step to die is enlightening yourself. So it's realizing that you are a soul having a human experience. And I think, I don't know if it was like that for you, Michelle, but you know, the diagnosis, you know, helped me to connect with that, my spirit, you know, to, to really double down on the getting down on my knees. It was such a humbling experience. I am a Leo rising. I have Leo, Mars and Leo who can tell from the big hair. I love being I'm on stage. I'm just a, a Leo, ego. Leo. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we like kind of, we've got kind of big fiery egos, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, this diagnosis brought me to my knees, but it deepened my spiritual practice. It deepened my connection with my soul. It deepened my understanding of who am I as a soul. So that's the last piece of, you know, reconnecting with your spirit. Um, and so, yeah, it was great to have these tools that I've taken years of personal work and working with clients. And then all of a sudden, like, hello, I've got some things to help me deal with this life-threatening illness. That's amazing that it's like you 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 wrote the book for yourself and obviously all those other women out there who are going through midlife, but you don't want to, I don't want to say crises because it's such a cliche, but really reimagining and reworking their lives to get to that better place. Now, so you had, you had written your own book for your own advice, but is there any really powerful advice that someone else gave you during your breast cancer journey that was like, oh, aha, I, I, I feel that. Oh my goodness. I haven't really thought that much about that. Okay. We'll come back to that. (laughs) If anything pops up, just yell it out because I'm an interrupter. So I'm totally okay with it. Um, Well, I'll say, I would say that, you know, the best advice came from my lovely breast cancer surgeon who was like, don't make any big decisions right now. Cause my initial response is just take them off. Just get rid of them. I don't want to deal. And I'm not sure what I want to do. And so I'm really glad that she, you know, she she was such a rock star, so compassionate, so loving. But gosh, when I was on that table in the opera OR, she was just like so in charge of everything going on. I mean, I just, I was so admire her and she was just, she was so there for me. And I guess, you know, understanding how many people have you back, how many men, my mother was just always that person who would just listen to me whine and complain and cry. And um, so I think it was more just realizing how many people love and care about me, you know, and how much support I do have. That's so important. And I I was very lucky. I, I definitely felt the same. Now, when you were going through treatment, you did conventional medicine and being very wellness focused. Did you also include complementary therapies and Eastern medicine in what you were doing? 
Hell yeah. So <laughs> I hired, I don't know if you know Dr. Jen Simmons. So I hired Dr. Jen Simmons. I would, she's a great person. She's a real health MD. So she was a breast cancer surgeon and I've had her on my show for 17 years. And she got an illness herself and changed her focus and became an integral med, in, into, um, integrated med, medical doctor, functional medicine, basically. Um, and so I connected with her because we were both on a summit with the same person. And so um, so I used her and that was really valuable, did a lot of testing and actually gave up grains, which made me feel amazing. Still don't eat. I had given up gluten because I have Hashimoto's disease, um, gave up grains completely, which actually wasn't that hard to do. Um, you know, up to some of my supplementation, uh, I was already doing a lot of the things, but doing that, doing things like a lot more, um, uh, detoxing. So, you know, doing infrared sauna, doing skin brushing every day, doing oil pulling, lots of things to keep my body really toxic free. Oh, you know, double down on my you know, meditation practice. So I used her, I would say she, she's, she was awesome, but then I also had a, um, my naturopath is a board certified oncologist naturopath. And so, you know, Dr. Hill was really good at being that kind of voice of reason. And I've also been getting vitamin C infusions from yet another, from a, <laughs> from a um, osteopathic doctor. So lots of integrative care, done a little bit of acupuncture, but, you know, I think the vitamin C infusions have been really good. Some diet tweaks, some increase in supplementation, some working on my stress, working on some of the trauma that might've given rise to this. So doing a lot, a lot of different things, but I feel fantastic. I have to say, I feel better now than I did at this time last year before my That's diagnosis. huge. That really is. And it's funny though, after a cancer diagnosis, the healing and the wellness, it kind of feels like a full-time job. And there, there was a point for me where I just got so tired of appointments because I was mm -hmm. seeing, I, I have a myofascial therapist that worked on my scar tissue and pelvic floor. And I had the naturopath who was doing the vitamin C infusions. And then I had the acupuncturist. And at one point I just had to stop everything because I'm like, it's too much. Mm -hmm. And then slowly incorporate back mm -hmm. what I felt like really works for me. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That we definitely have to do that. Now, um, we briefly mentioned that you've talked a little bit about self-compassion a lot, but why do you think it is such a superpower in terms of healing and wellness? Well, when you love yourself, first of all, it's a powerful way to deal with cortisol and stress. And we know that so much of dis-ease cortisol, which is what we generate when we are stressed out happens. So self-compassion is an emotional regulatory technique that really helps you to calm yourself down. So, you know, when something stressful happens, we generate cortisol, right? That creates inflammation. And what we often go to is we go to the dopamine, right? Like, so if you're really stressed out, you're like, I got to have, especially when we know so many people I work with are emotional eaters, got to have those chips, you know, got to have that sugar, got to have that caffeine or alcohol, which of course is going to create, it's like throwing gasoline on that cortisol fire and is, you know, interfering with things like sleep and menopause and all of those things. But with, with um, self-compassion, what you're doing is you're generating this uh, neuro transmitter called oxytocin, which is the mammalian chemical caring connection. So if you're listening, just simply putting your hand on your heart generates oxytocin, calms down the cortisol shitstorm, And so you are giving yourself that self-care in the moment. So it's really a powerful technique and you just love loving yourself changes everything. I just want to walk around now all day with my hand on my heart because <laughs> I, I definitely do that sometimes where and it, not even thinking about it, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> 
and it just it makes everything better for that moment. And just even the, like you mentioned, taking those few deep breaths and doing that in conjunction will literally, no matter what you're going through, get you to a better place. So listeners, we do need to take another quick break. So please stay with us. If you would like to be my guest or reach out to me, I'm at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle, and my guest is Dr. Ellen Albertson woman of many talents and master of all of them. So we're going to give you all of her website information at the end so you can find her and her book and her podcast. But Dr. Ellen, what is, if you could pin down one thing, what is that one thing that you changed in your life after your diagnosis? Because you were already pretty darn healthy and doing all of the right things. What did the cancer really change for you, if anything? Yeah, I deep six my workaholic. So I had already worked on my inner critic. I'd already worked on my people pleaser, but I had a fierce workaholic. I come from a long line of workaholics. You know, my grandparents on both sides were entrepreneurs. They never took a day off the whole, their whole lives. My dad was also an entrepreneur um, and he worked all the time. I mean, he took time off because he was really stressed out. But this, this idea and in our culture, we, we glorify workaholism and in, in this hustle culture. And so I realized that I was working with an amazing, um, healer and through my work with her realized, wow, 
I got to not let this workaholic run the show. I mean, the workaholic got stuff done. You know, I, I wrote my book in six months. I got it out there on the bestseller list. It became an award winner, got a podcast. I did all of these things. And I, you know, really realized, and I'm kind of, you know, right now in this place of really questioning as I look at 60, what really makes me happy? And I realized, as I was saying before, it's like you're climbing up this ladder of success, but it's up against the wrong building. What makes me really happy? I love sharing. Like, this makes me really happy being on your podcast and sharing wisdom. I love spending time with my fiance. I want to travel more. I want to take more time off. Um, So the workaholic was this constant voice on my shoulder, even if I was taking time off. It's like, you should be posting right now, especially in this world we have. And I love that you don't spend your whole life on social media, but there is this constant pressure. If you are an influencer, which is what I do, to constantly be out there putting out more content, getting more followers, getting more clients, all of that. And I had to really look at it and go, how do you motivate your yourself from a different place? How do you motivate yourself from this place of wanting to help people make a difference and how do you make your work even more joyful i think one of my you know my when people come to work with me it's usually because they've, they've seen me and they're like you seem so joyful at midlife like how do you do this i am i'm a very joyful person i love to dance and you know i'm playing the ukulele and having fun but how do i make my work more joyful like more play and so that was the big thing for me of just really getting rid of this old, ancient, and and I think it really has a, um, a lineage to it, you know, years of ancestry of being a workaholic, not just me, but my ancestors. And that really needed to shift and change. I can definitely identify with that. I started out as a paralegal at a very big Los Angeles law firm. And I, I always say that after I worked with attorneys, I can work with everyone. And I worked my ass off. And then I became a personal assistant, chief level executive assistant to an entrepreneur. And I worked for him for nine years. And I had no life because it was all his life and all of the things we were doing. And I finally got to the point in my late 30s, I was like, screw this, I'm done. And I quit. And I took six months off and I traveled and I just kind of caught up with myself again. And that's when I actually moved up here to Portland, Oregon because I needed a drastic life change. I mean, I knew no one in this town. I I knew one person in the state. I got a job. I met my best friends. I met my husband six weeks later. And, and I learned that it's not all about the output. It's what, what is, and I was very good at my job. I was great at my job. And literally my old boss from California came up to my wedding here in Oregon and asked if I wanted to come back to California to work for him. I'm like, um, no, but I have learned over this time that there has to be something good. Like I was great at my job, but it wasn't filling my heart. And this now fills my heart and it brings me joy. And, you know, I work for a nonprofit. It's not making me rich, but it brings me so much joy. And I've learned that it's just, that's what's important. There has to be that balance in your work and your life. Yeah, absolutely. Women are always saying to me, like, you know, how do I find my purpose? And you've got to follow those breadcrumbs of joy. If what you're doing is not lighting you up, and I don't tell people like, don't quit your job, but start working on that side thing that lights you up. That might be doing a podcast, or it might be baking amazing cupcakes, or it might be, uh, you know, volunteering at Big Brother, Big Sister, whatever it is, do those things that light you up. And I was realizing, you know, my 
my re my my workaholic was really Adeline, as I'm sure it sounds like you had a similar experience. I definitely did. Were there any other, other than getting rid of the workaholic tendencies, any other lifestyle changes that you made? Cause I mean, you're obviously already pretty healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the biggest thing honestly was, um, a couple of things, it, um, giving up the grains. So, and that was, it wasn't that much of a hardship. Um, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, once in a while I have a little, like I'll, I'll make some popcorn. I have a little bit of rice, whatever, but pretty much I had had a lot of grains and, and Dr. Jen, Jen Simmons was like, grains are not good for you. Um, they're not like what our ancestors grew up eating. And that is true. I mean, certainly before the agricultural revolution, we weren't eating grains. So, and I think that's made a huge difference on my joint health and my inflammation. Um, I talked a lot about the um, getting rid of toxins through things like saunas and skin brushing. Um, another big thing, in it, which is, is struggling, I'm still working, two, actually two more things I'm really working on. One is intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. And so I had already given up sugar, which we know, you know, cancer cells have 10 times the um, insulin receptors of regular cells. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't doing a lot of sugar. My diet was, you know, very good particularly by you know standard American diet standards. But the intermittent fasting thing is still something I'm working on because um, you know, there is good research that if you close down the window of time you're eating, it can mm -hmm. help with cancer prevention and it also helps with longevity. It's just even my, you know, my naturopath agrees too. He's like, it, it's good to give our body a break from food. Our digestive system needs a break. So I'm trying to bring that window down to like eight hours a day. Um, as opposed to, and it's hard because I like to eat later in the, we have dinner later in the evening, but so that's one thing. And I would say the other big thing I'm really working on, which I'm still working on is sleep. Mm. Give me, mm -hmm. How many of us have trouble sleeping, right? Especially if you're going yes. through menopause. But again, I'm, I'm reading this wonderful book, Why We Sleep and understanding the importance of sleep for physical health, mental well-being, consolidating memories. So my sleep hygiene is pretty good, but like in the evening, really turning the screens off and, and mm -hmm. reading, reading a little bit before I go to bed or doing some yoga, um, taking a little bit of melatonin. I was surprised at the research on melatonin and how, you know, helpful it can be. I was I like, actually wow. was really, really surprised at the, some of the, the studies you had referenced about melatonin and that actually it can help with cancer prevention also. Yeah. So it's, and it really, there isn't, the only downside is the major downside. Sometimes people feel a little groggy and I, I feel my best if I take nothing at all, but it might even like my naturopath is like, yeah, do some melatonin until you, my cortisol levels tend to, as I talked about stress reduction, my cortisol levels tend to go up in the evening when they're supposed to go down. And he was like, take, you know, a little, just three milligrams of time released. And the, the only downside is if you take it regularly, your body does not produce as much on its own. So you stop, mm -hmm. but it'll, it would come, it comes back. Um, and then some people don't feel so good on it, but it is actually an antioxidant and it, and it can help you to fall asleep. So I would say the big three things were giving up grains. Um, you know, I talked about the workaholism, the intermittent fasting and the working on the sleep. So I guess that's four of things that workaholism is the, you know, is the, the mind thing. And then the other things were the three lifestyle changes. And then I've also been doing the vitamin C infusions, although I've got those down to probably just once a month because it's expensive. And like you said, I, you get to this point where just need a break, especially after doing radiation, the hospital was 40 minutes away. So it was mm -hmm. like getting to the hospital every day and just going through and doing all the things and seeing all the doctors and bring it. There's a part of you. And I think you, you probably would agree, Michelle, that you're just like, can we just get back to normal? Can I just like not think about cancer today? Right. Well, do you ever feel like you are back to normal? 
Uh, yeah, lots of times, you know, like my, I mean, I just, I'm so blessed. I have the most amazing, beautiful man. I met Kenny. Oh my gosh. What are we up to now? 28, 29 months ago. We sort of count all the days. And, and online, just, right? You met him online. We met him online. We met through spiritual singles on July 20th, 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Um, we got engaged really quickly. He is just, he's so healthy and so loving. He grows like most of our food. He's, he's a computer engineer by day and by, you know, when he has spare time, he's an amazing master gardener. So he doesn't, he's not a great cook. I'm still in, in almost December, I've got kale in the backyard, but um, yeah. So he has just been so supportive. And there's lot, yeah, lots of times, like we just went to Austin and we're going to Quebec city in a couple of weeks. And we just booked our flight to Costa Rica. Another yes. silver lining of, of breast cancer is saying, yeah, I'm going to travel if I wanted to, but I mm-hmm. kind of got to step outside your comfort zone and just do it. Yes. Um, so yeah, there are times and how about you? Are there times that you just like, don't think about it? Or it's there all are actually there. I mean, there's always little things that as a reminder, plus I do this for my job. So it's right. a big part of it, but there are, and it's, it's a new normal is what they say, but I'm good with it. I'm good with where I'm at and trying to appreciate more. Um, I'm so excited next week. I'm, I've been invited to go to the San Antonio breast cancer symposium. Um, and I'm going to be at the breast cancer index booth, the test that I took because oh, wow. I can't stop talking about it. And they literally found one of my articles online where I was talking about the test. So I'm really just trying to put myself out there more and see what happens. That's and great. Yeah, yeah. My husband and I are going to Bozeman after Christmas and we're going to Florida in January and just planning things just, it allows you to not think about the cancer. I think it's something to look forward to. Yeah, it is. It's sort of the back of the mind thing. And I, I actually decided I, w- I had an opportunity to meet with agents and write a book about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm I'm not ready to write that book. And I don't know if I want to write that book. Mm-hmm. So, Well, your book are- that you've already written is fabulous. Thanks. And I don't want to run out of time. Tell our, because we're all close to the end, tell our listeners where they can find all of your things, please. So, so I don't lose time. <laughs> Super easy. Just go to themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. You can get my book there. You can see all my podcasts, including the beautiful podcast I did with Michelle. Uh, I have a free gift called 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. If you want to work with me on some level, I'm happy. I have been working with some people who, whether you've got a you know rock mutation, if you want to or are you just midlife and I just want to feel better? I want to have more confidence, more joy, more energy. Feel free to reach me, reach me there. And I'm also very excited about my uh, midlife reboot 2023. You can email me to get more information about that. It's just going to be a three week program to just because I'm thinking about, we're thinking about 2023. I don't know. I need to hit reboot. So I'm excited about that. Well, and I think it kind of feels like it might be the first year that as a, as a society, we're getting more back to a normal ish. You know, post COVID things are, things are decent and, you know, trying to figure out that right way. So in one minute, tell us the best thing that has come out of your cancer journey. I'm happier and healthier. Okay. You know? Well, that didn't take a whole minute. <laughs> Yeah, I'm happier and healthier. And, you know, and I've gotten this great opportunity to meet amazing women like yourself and help more people. And I know that my expertise, particularly around self-compassion and body image is really going to go far. And I'm looking forward to seeing where all of this leads. I love that. Well, Dr. Allen, thank you so much for being here today. And definitely we're going to continue to work together and keep in touch because that that is the best part of my cancer journey is the fabulous women that I have gotten and individuals that I've gotten to meet. So thank you for being a part of that group. My pleasure. 
So listeners, you can find out more information, the midlifewhisperer.com, Instagram, the underscore midlife underscore whisperer, but just type out the whole thing and she comes up. Twitter, Rock Your Midlife, Facebook, and Dr. Ellen Albertson. So find her on all the places and follow her. And her social media posts are amazing. Like she's doing headstands and she's dancing and playing her ukulele. So they're definitely will bring a smile to your face, if nothing else. <laughs> I love those. So listeners, if you are a loved one, need our services, please go to breastfriends.org and check out patient programs. You can find the podcast on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel or on all the major podcast platforms. And you can also watch on the Breast Friends YouTube channel and please subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our shows. You can donate on our website. There's a big button or text BF radio to 41444. And if you would like to nominate yourself to share your story or be my guest, I can be reached at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.